Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. If you want the most up-to-date news about what is happening in and around Fishers, check out my local news blog, LarryInFishers.com. And while you're at it, follow me at Larry in Fishers on Twitter. As Election Day draws closer, Cecilia Koble is running for another term as an at-large Fishers City Council member. I spoke with Cecilia Koble at the Ignite Space in the lower level of the Hamilton East Library downtown Fishers. Check out what Ignite has to offer by visiting Ignite. Anytime the library is open, a staff member will be glad to provide a tour. I talked with Cecilia Koble during the afternoon of Tuesday, October 22nd. I'm at the Ignite space here in, in the downtown Fishers Hamilton East Library. Uh, and uh, what's very unusual about this, for the very first time in the, in the long amount of time I've been recording podcasts here at the library, we had a fire drill. And I'm here with Cecilia Koble, and it's the first time I've actually talked to the person I'm interviewing in the parking lot while we're waiting to come back in from the fire drill. But uh, that was an interesting experience. But Cecilia, always good to see you. Thank you, Larry. It's always a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. And you, uh, just so people know who may not or not uh, dialed into this, Cecilia is a Republican candidate for re-election on the Fisher City Council, the at-large election. There are four candidates, and the top three vote-getters are elected. That's the way the at-large works. And everybody who was an eligible voter within the city of Fishers, a registered voter, votes in the at-large election. In fact, uh, there's not a contested election in every district council uh, council race. There's no mayor's race. There's no judge race. There's no clerk's race in the general election. So uh, wherever you live in Fishers, you have at least one election that you can vote for, and that's the at-large election. So um, just letting people – and plus, you can't actually vote a, a straight ticket. You have to actually push the button on the voting machine and or, or fill it out on the paper if you're doing absentee to vote in uh, the at-large elections. You just make sure you don't skip that. So, uh, Cecilia, uh, you've been on the council really ever since Fishers has become a city, which was almost five years ago. Uh, but there's still maybe some voters who are new to Fishers or maybe not as dialed in so, and, and maybe weren't dialed in during the primary. So just uh, talk about yourself for a few minutes. Sure. Well, I've been serving on the city council as one of the at-large members almost five years. I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. It seems like yesterday we were becoming a city and having our first municipal election. I moved to Fishers in 2011. I I have two daughters, and one of the reasons we came to Fishers was because of the schools, the quality of schools. I have a daughter with autism, and she was attending BACA, the Behavioral Analysis Center for Autism. And we soon found out that there are a lot of um, great centers here that help with 
children with autism and also the, the school system, especially the special education system. So we, we moved literally across the, the pond, if you will, or the reservoir because we lived on the Indianapolis side of, of the reservoir. And so – You're speaking of Geist Reservoir. Yes, Geist Reservoir. Yes, know, yeah. yes. So um, back when I lived in Indianapolis, I was doing a lot of community service, doing a lot in helping special needs families, especially families with autism. So I've always been involved in in some way in helping and giving back into my community. And I went to law school before kids. I graduated from the Robert H. McKinney School of Law and did government relations for for Bank One Financial Services. And so I, I do have a, a law background that I think helps with, with a lot of critical thinking skills. And I have a lot of passion for my community. And it's it's been a wonderful experience serving on the city council. I hope to continue with the success that we've had here and to finish some of the the projects and goals that I'd, I'd like to see accomplished as, as we move forward. Well, um, as you said, you've been on the council nearly five years. I suspect I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway, and you may add a few things. What do you count as some of your most important accomplishments as an individual council member? Sure. Well, I have definitely been one of the strong advocates of, of more transparency and more opportunities to connect with the community. So one of the things that I, among some other council members, is uh, we we made sure that we had our information in the Fisher's Talk magazine. That was very important to provide our contact information, our email, the district, the way they're lined up, and who represents what area. And and so that was something that we, we did initially, right as we became... Um, elected the community uh, comment period after the city council uh, meetings, I, I think is very important because it provides a way of people to come and share, whether it's it's a, it's a problem, it's an idea, it's just a comment, it's good, bad, we get to hear from the community. Um, that was something that I was very passionate about of, of trying to find ways to, to connect more with the community. Um, the other thing we did, and, and I was a strong advocate of, is having um, a tent, a, a table at the farmer's market. So we've been doing that, taking turns during the, the farmer's market times to, to be present, to be available, to uh, connect with the community. Um, the council connect, you know, we're, we're really working hard. I, I feel like I myself and, and many of my colleagues were very passionate about trying to find ways to, to connect with the community, to, to talk to them, to hear. Um, you know, I, I meet with constituents an average three to five times a week, I, I meet with individual people, uh, sometimes two to three times per day with individual people that connect with me via Facebook or email or give me a call and say, do you have time for coffee? So so I'm, I'm very active and, and very passionate about wanting to, to provide opportunities. Um, the other thing that I've, I've accomplished that I'm very proud of is heading up the Fisher's Advisory Committee on Disability. We've we've won an award. the The city was recognized by the Indiana Governor's Council for People with Disabilities as a champion of inclusion. That was in 2017, and we continue to to make gains and strides uh, to to provide more accommodations 
inclusivity, to highlight accomplishments of, of people in our community with special needs. So I'm very proud of the things that we've done, like March Disability Awareness Month, and we continue to, to move forward with that. Um, one of the new things that we're trying to promote is the Fisher's Disability Inclusion in the Workplace Business Networking Group. It's it's a big word there, but we're meeting every month and we're connecting with HR representatives from businesses here in our community that are employing people with disabilities and with the providers that help to provide the resources and guidance, the training to potential employees with physical and intellectual disabilities. And that, that group is growing. I'm serving on the Fisher's Arts and Culture Commission, and I'm, I'm very proud to, to serve on that. I, I'm very passionate about, about the arts. I, I have a daughter that's pursuing acting right now, and um, that's something I really want to see continue and build. We, we need more arts and culture in our community, and I think uh, that would that would be wonderful to add more vibrancy to our community. So those those are a few things to that I would like to accomplish, and and that I'm very proud that that I've started um, those initiatives in in my tenure as a city councilwoman. And if we have time, I'm going to drill down some more in some of that. I think you can be very proud of what you've accomplished on the Disability Advisory Committee. That has that has been a very key. Uh, committee in the city. And I will also just add quickly while I have the chance, I worked 28 years for the federal government. And I, I saw how the federal government helped people with disabilities bridge those disabilities and, and what terri- terrific employees those people were on the whole. So, uh, you know, marrying up uh, employers with people with disabilities and finding out what they can do in the workplace. I've always felt that was key and you should take credit for that. But on the other hand, when you look forward uh, to a possible another four-year term, should you be reelected again for another term, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the city during that time? Well, I think right now, uh, one of the things I want to focus on in this next term is uh, some of the areas that are a little bit, I would call blighted, if you will, you know, the big box stores that once had Marsh, uh, you know, we're actively looking at those areas right now. And it these things take time to, to develop. It has to be the right, the right partner, the right kind of business, the, the something that will reflect that area of the community that the, the community will be proud of having. And so, um, you know, we're focused on that and those things take time. And there there's some areas there on, you know, 96th Street, there on the corner of 116th and Rook School Road, uh, the west side of Fishers, you know, so I, I want to really focus on some of those key areas that, that maybe are um, have aged because they're their original areas of where our city first first developed and and we need to focus on that some of our aging infrastructure like like roads and continuing to focus on connectivity and and building um, the the sidewalks and and the trails to really connect our community I mean I think that that's really important you know moving forward. The night before we record this, the 2020 city budget was was approved. There were a couple of criticisms that have been going around the community, and um, as in, in the lead up to that, 
Uh, one criticism, and it kind of gets to your transparency issue, some have been critical of the process that was used to explain the budget and the budgeting process. There was a two-cent property tax rate increase. That was the fifth consecutive year that was required. So the, I guess the first thing I would ask you is, in, in relation to that, is how do you assess the way Mayor Fadness and you as a council handled the explanation to the public of the budget that was just approved? Mm-hmm. Well, the mayor and, and the council, we're very conscientious. I mean, it, every year there there is a PowerPoint presentation. There's detailed information. The finance committee meets. Those are open meetings that are uh, public. They, they are... Um, you know, we we put them in the the newspaper and publicize their open meetings for the the public to come and to hear what's going on. And so, um, this is how we presented the budget every year uh, with a lot of detail, with with a lot of uh, careful analysis and and regard to to taxpayers. And so, uh, the budget reflects, you know, the needs in our community and and also uh, what we need to do to to move forward to to improve our infrastructure, our roads. We we have a, a list of neighborhoods that that need uh, re- road repair and resurfacing, complete resurfacing, and that that takes money. Um, some of them are concrete neighborhoods; they're they're the original neighborhoods. From from when Fishers was starting out as a as a community, and um, those kind of roads aren't aren't built that way anymore. But they they need to be redone, and and constituents have been wanting those roads paved and redone for a long time. And so we we need to we need to uh, chip away at that and make sure that every community is is vibrant that everyone feels proud of the neighborhood in which they live and and that the property values uh, continue to um, increase and hold their value it's that's important I, I I feel the process is is done in a very transparent way and that uh, two cents per hundred dollars valuation, a property tax rate increase is is being as the mayor explained it, and you're on the finance committee, so you and I, I go to as many meetings as I can. Uh, the mayor basically told the finance committee and the council that really there were two choices: one was to borrow the money through a bond issue, or the other was to pay it all in one year. He chose to a one year tax increase to pay for it all in one year. And uh, David George, who's an engineer, said at the uh, meeting where they budget was approved, uh, he said, well, concrete roads are great until they fall apart, then they're pretty bad. And that's what's been happening in some, in one particular neighborhood and a couple other areas of town. So I guess the question I would ask in that regard, with that as a kind of a background explanation, when constituents say, why is it the city has needed to raise the property tax rate for five consecutive years? How do you, how do you respond to that? Well, we, we're trying to create um, a city that people want to live. We want to have a city there where there are amenities. Uh, you know, we started the city, well, the town of Fishers was a bedroom community. Our, our economic tax base was made up of residential homes. And so there was really nothing 
to do, nothing to see, no destination. So, so we're building. It's it's carefully uh, thought out, and and we're building amenities. We're building um, trails, places to go. Uh, for the community, because the new generation of workers, they're looking at when they're just ter- determining where they want to work, they're looking at at the cities of, of what's there to do, what what kind of amenities, what kind of quality of life is there. And so we're building a quality of life that will sustain itself into the future. And so so it's systematic. It's it's a return on investments. These are investments into our community. You know, I, 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 I'm amazed at how things have changed. You know, I'm an older guy. I'm 68. And when, when I started off working, you know, what you did is you found a job and you moved to where the job was. Today, I really see that turned on its head, and you just mentioned that, and the studies have shown that young people who are professionals and have choices about where they can work and live, they will first find a place where they want to live, then they'll find a place to work, which is a very different paradigm, Which, and I think that's, that's interesting, and, and then what ties into what, what you were saying. But speaking of development, I, I want to ask you this, because the council has been criticized in this campaign for not supporting locally owned small business. Do you think the city has been supporting locally owned small businesses? Absolutely. I mean, this is what we're known as, a smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial city. And um, the entrepreneurial community includes the small business community. Um, and so, as you will see, there there are a lot of opportunities for small businesses to grow here. Launch Fishers is an example of something that started here in Fishers, and now uh, there are Launch Fishers in all parts of the state of Indiana, and it's it's a model that's growing in other parts of the country. and And Fishers was one of the first to to implement this type of workspace support system for small business owners. And so, um, you know, some some of our small business owners they've they've moved to other locations as as things have developed. Uh, it makes sense for them to to move their businesses to a to another location where the vibrancy is, where people are walking, where where the businesses are, and so so I would say that that we are a a supporter of small businesses and um, the entrepreneur. I have to be the news guy here because I have to ask about something that's fairly topical. It's something that happened last night at the Carmel City Council. The Carmel City Council approved a resolution last night asking state, particularly federal government officials, to limit the installation of 5G technology because of what they had described as possible health risks that they have seen. Uh, and they're, they're to see if whether those risks are better evaluated by the, by the health professionals. And I know the mayor is wanting to deploy 5G wireless technology in the city, and he's been working on where the city has jurisdiction. A lot of that has already been decided by the federal government. There are some things that cities uh, can do. And Carmel, I think, in recognition of that, said urging people to, 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 to hold off on it. For those who don't know, we most of our cell phones now are 4G technology, and the, the uh, towers that give us that can go for a mile, to, depending on the topography. It's a large area. 5G is going to be 
fast wireless. You'll get your TV. You can get your computer. And you may not even to be, need to be wired in your home, but it's going to be extremely fast and extremely well connected. But those towers only go for like a few blocks at most. So it's a much different technology. The technology is upgraded, but it, it requires these towers to be close together. I've talked to the mayor about this. He said at first he thought these were Russian bots that were trying to, to spread rumors to try to keep America from being on, on the forefront of this technology and the Russian companies could come in or Chinese or whatever. So when you see something like what the Carmel City Council did last night, which was sort of a message of, you know, we need to go slow on this because we're worried about the health risks. And I see the mayor He's not quite as concerned about the health risks at this point, although he certainly is, is, is cognizant of that in my discussions with him and past podcasts I've had with him. What do you think about this whole idea of 5G technology where you're looking at health risks, but if you don't get in early, you could be left behind? Mm-hmm. What are your views on that? Well, you know, you, you bring up a really interesting question, and I think that's um – something as as we evolve as as a society you know we we've got to look at all that technology has uh sometimes health repercussions um i can't speak about 5g right now because i'm i'm not well versed in uh what kind of health hazards there it might um present and and i'd I'd like to learn more i wasn't aware of what the carmel council had voted on yesterday but i'm i'm obviously open to learning more about technology and um, what what kind of health um, hazards or benefits it, it might it might uh, present to to the environment to society uh, but I, I think you know as as a as a society I think there's so much out there right now chemicals products that you know we may not know um, all of the health implications for another 20 years because uh, things are, are getting approved and uh, they're, they're out in, in the market. And, and so, you know, we just, we need to be cognizant of sometimes maybe, maybe some of these uh, things that we're putting out there may have some health, health implications. And in fairness, it is new technology, so there's not a lot of information out there. And in fairness to you, it has not come before the Fisher City Council, but I just needed to ask because Carmel has acted uh, just recently in their city council. You've already mentioned this, but I want to dig a little deeper. Uh, the mental health initiative that the mayor has, in, in, has, has done, and, and it was actually, he was formulating this before he actually took office as mayor after he had been elected. Uh, there's been a very special impact, I think, uh, on those with disabilities, and that's where your committee has come in. You've worked very closely with the mayor's program on mental health, making sure that people with special needs and disabilities are included in that. And I, from everything I've seen, they, they, that, that group certainly has. You, you've accomplished much there, but tell me what you think needs to be done as far as the mental health initiative, particularly as it impacts uh, those with disabilities, and that's where you have been most involved. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, I believe our our councilman, Todd Zimmerman, last night shared a new type of uh, initiative that's going to be launched here in Fishers, where there's going to be sites for people to uh just show up and it will, there'll be uh, health providers. It, it will be a way to kind of 
um, meditate to maybe un, uh, you know un, unleash some worries. So I, I think that's a way to to help our community. I mean, there are challenges. I, I think the biggest challenges right now is um, we need more more treatments. And it it needs to be affordable. I mean, a lot of this treatment isn't covered by insurance, and so I think some of some of that has uh, its challenges. Um, you know, Fishers is again um, leading the charge. I, I know the mayor is speaking around the country of the types of initiatives we're we're doing here in Fishers, and I'm I'm really proud of of what he's done because we're one of the few cities, municipalities that is trying to see what they can do. You know, we're, we're limited in what we can do, but we can try to find ideas that will, will help the community and, um, you know, learning coping skills, um, how to be more mindful, relaxation skills. Um, I think getting rid of our cell phones for a little bit and just actually talking to people face-to-face and 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 just sharing from the heart sometimes our worries with with someone else that can that can relate that can empathize with what we're going through goes a long way i mean it's it's doesn't really um it helps it it's it's not a one thing that's going to that's going to take care of, of the situation but i think we're making a lot of good strides here in fishers yeah and and todd uh, announcing the fishers care program at the council meeting uh, that was uh, held the night before we record this uh, did say this was going to be a, a a joint operation that you just described generally between the faith-based community in town and the business community so these centers are going to be done through cooperation of those two major entities uh, that are interwoven in, into any community, and it certainly would be in ours. You mentioned Arl, uh, earlier that uh, you're a member of the Fishers Arts and Culture Commission. This is something that's always been something I followed. I know a lot of people in Fishers who are involved with the arts. As you mentioned, your daughter is an aspiring actress, so she's she's definitely, definitely tied into the whole community of the arts. And, and as a member of that commission, there are so many things you're doing. As I understand, the, and you've only been around for a few months, meet, meet every other month as it, as it works now as a commission, but you've been working closely with the Fishers District, Thompson Thrift, with making sure that artists have a chance to paint murals and that new development there, the yard and, and the district in general. Uh, and so that's that's going to be happening here very soon. Where do you think the commission goes from here? What uh, What do you think that they can do to promote the arts and fishers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're working on right now. We're we're trying to build a a long term master plan for arts and culture here in Fishers. We need to uh, determine what our mission is. What is going to what is our role as it relates to the city, as it relates to aspiring performers and artists. And so we're in the process of building that right now, building the model, building um, the framework, if you will, of how we're going to move forward, because we've we've gathered a lot of input from the community right now. We've been having sessions with various groups from the community to get input as to 
what does it mean to have arts and culture in our community of fishers? You know, what is it that people want to see? What are we lacking? What, what, what is their idea? And so we're we're gathering all of these ideas and building a framework right now. So uh, there's yet to yet to to come. There's a lot more yet to come, and I'm really excited about the future. And I think in in the next few months, probably. Uh, beginning of next year, we'll be able to kind of uh, unveil what what that's going to look like. One thing that's been discussed for quite a while here in Fishers, we, the city has a wonderful outdoor facility, the amphitheater, uh, and it's been uh, renovated just a couple of years ago, and it's a very nice facility. But there are many people in the arts, and I'm sure you've heard this, who really believe that the community needs an indoor venue to have year-round uh, activities, whether they be plays, musical acts, nothing like the Palladium. I mean, that's only one Palladium. Carmel's welcome to that, but something on a much smaller scale where, where artists can perform and where, uh, where where there can be some art year-round. Is that a, a possibility that the commission members are looking at right now? Well, I, I think, again, it's, it's still a little early in in the in the plan, uh, I think there's a lot of people that that would like to see something like that. I mean, I, I've even thought of it myself um, to have something like that. I've I've spoken to a lot of people in our community that would like to see something like that. A venue, um, you know, it, it needs to be carefully looked at with with some thought to see about viability, about costs, about. Will it be a good use of space? Is it truly what what we need in in this community, or does it look a little bit different? You know, one thing we don't want to do is to build something that is not going to be sustainable or or not used. And so, I think we're still in in the in the infancy of of talks and and discussions and and gathering of input and vision to build a long-term plan and 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 I guess in in many ways there could be something along those lines in in the future at some point. Well, we're at the end here and you know what I do at the end, uh, just imagining that you're uh, talking to one of your potential voters, potential constituents and that person says, "Well, Mrs. Coble, I've looked at you, I've looked at the other candidates, uh, just give me a two-minute uh, summation uh, quickly. Uh, why should I vote for you? What, what's your answer on that question? Well, I, I believe in learning to serve and serving to learn, and I, I've been doing that for the last five years. I'm, I'm a proven leader. I've, I've accomplished a lot um, aside from from my city council duties and and I want to continue to to work with the community to continue to build upon the success that we've had in here in Fishers and so I I ask for everybody to vote on November 5th for me to be able to continue to serve another term. And early voting is already in place so you can early vote and uh, if you qualify you can uh, submit an absentee ballot. So Cecilia Coble also it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Larry. appreciate the time. This podcast has been brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. My local news blog follows news in and around the Fishers area. So check it out. Once again, find it at LarryInFishers.com. 
And you can also follow me on Twitter at Larry in Fishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.